Welcome to the Finishing Well podcast, where we encourage seasoned believers to find meaningful ways to impact their world for the kingdom of God. Whether you're 65 and up or not quite there yet, everyone can begin preparing to finish well. Now, here's your host, Randy Hess, with the founder of Finishing Well Ministries, Hal Habecker. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Finishing Well, the podcast, part of Finishing Well Ministries. And uh, we're delighted to have you with us today. And we are excited and, uh, and, and joyful, actually, about being able to share a little bit with you today about the seventh essential of finishing well. Yeah, you heard that correctly. We've, we are adding and will soon have added a seventh essential to the mix of essentials we've already discussed with you. And we would love to have you understand all about that essential. And so I'm going to turn it over to Hal to give us his thinking and his approach and his and the value of understanding the seventh essential. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, Randy. It's great to be with you again and uh, journey through life and what God is doing in our life, how he's, how he's helping us change and grow and extend the impact of his kingdom through our lives. Uh, that's important in an older age, as seniors, as uh, boomers who are retiring at a fast rate. Uh, what is the value of our lives? And that's the key issue in Finishing Well Ministries and what does God want to do through us? And so let's jump on to the seventh essential. We talked a little bit about in the previous podcast, the process of changing from six to seven. It's been our stalwart. You know, these are things that God gives you. I would not say that I can't cite a chapter and verse where it says there's only six or seven or eight or nine. So, you know, you know, we're following the Spirit's lead and wisdom that he gives us. Uh, but we shared in the previous podcast about the value of heaven in our lives. Right. Uh, let me. It's just fascinating to me how God works in life. I had a mentor back in the early 80s who wrote a book about heaven. His name was Joe Joseph Bailey. He mentored me when I was in a ministry called the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. He was the general director. And this is 40 years ago. He and I had these conversations about heaven. Uh, I, I still think his book on heaven is one of the best books out there. There, there are several good, and they're resourced or written up in our seventh essential and even the sixth essentials as well. But let me explain this. And Randy, interact with me. Jump in. Uh, the seventh essential is something that ought to captivate our mind. We will anticipate heaven being with Christ for eternity. And why would we do that, Hal? Why do we want to do that? Well, don't we want to? I want to be with Jesus. Yeah. I, 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 you know, and there is this anticipation of all of life. Jesus has called me to himself and I follow him every day. I realize my life is running down in a sense. The hourglass is emptying. I'm closer to heaven. How many more years I have? I don't know. I'm closer to being with Christ face to face. First John 3, 2. When we're with him, we will see him as he is because we will be with him face to face. I think every Christian ought to have an anticipation of being with him face to face. We're with him now. He's indwelling us through his Holy Spirit. But I don't know what he looks like 
you, you know, Peter talks about this in first Peter two, you, you, you have, or first Peter one, rather you, you haven't seen him, but you love him. You know, he's there, but someday we will embrace him personally and touch his hands, touch his side, touch his feet, and be able to be with him forever and ever and ever. And, and that thought, I think, ought to captivate a Christian. And I think it captivates anybody who has ever followed God. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I go back to the Old Testament. You know, Abraham and Sarah, Hebrews 11 says, they looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. I think of the first person who ever died in the scriptures, Abel. You know, when he died, I think he saw something on God that he never saw on this side. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, in this life, we look through a glass darkly, but then face to face, we will be known even as he is known. I mean, there is this transparency about heaven that ought to captivate the Christian. It, 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 it resonates through our heart, our mind. It should permeate everything we do. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. While we don't look at momentary things, but we look at momentary things in light of eternity, that is being with Christ, knowing that there's something happening in heaven now that grows out of how we respond in our current situation. And Jesus will help us understand all that, but I'm driven by the future. I think one of the things that has always captivated me is that Jesus is always leading us into tomorrow, into next week, into next month, into next year. And we love this as grandparents, you know, you and I are grandparents. We love what happens to our kids as they grow and develop and go through all kinds of things. And it makes all the difference in the world, how we anticipate the future and imagine it and follow Jesus in it. So that captivates me. And let me say another couple of things. And then, you know, Paul focuses on this in Philippians 3. He said, our citizenship is in heaven. You know, that's how we live. I'm of another kingdom on this earth. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in a sense, I am trying to see what heaven is like and what Christ's kingdom is like in heaven, in reality, in the eternal world, and somehow bring that to bear as I make my daily decisions in my marriage, in my family, in my life. Why do I do what I do? So I am captivated by the future coming to earth now in anticipation of what is to come. So I think as a Christian, you know, that really uh, saturates our mind and our thinking. And then I think in terms of uh, growing, you know, our first essential, why did Paul want to think about tomorrow? He says, forgetting what's behind. I want to press on for tomorrow. There is this idea of being captivated by the future, of wanting to continue to bear fruit in our lives, to reach new horizons, new new stages in our life. You know, you're not finished when you retire from an occupation, so to speak. But God continues to live his life through us, and death, we, we pass through death right on into eternity. And are we captivated by that? Do we anticipate that? Do we think about that? And that that's that's what captivates me about this seventh essential and spending time thinking about it. You know, uh, you go to funerals, memorial services, Ecclesiastes 7, when the face is sad, the heart may still be happy and joyful in anticipating all that God has for us 
on the other side of death. Death is a transition. We could talk a lot about that. And that's what the sixth essential was, thinking ahead and planning for that. But through that transition, we enter into an eternal world unlike anything we've ever seen here. And that's what captivates me about this seventh essential. You find great, great excitement and great anticipation and great joy in thinking ahead to what we are all going to have in heaven. Do you not? How can you not? Yes. <laughs> I, I think yes. of... And, and so I'm just asking how, do you think all of us should have, if, if we spend a few minutes at least uh, contemplating as you have what heaven is and understanding it's been given to us in the word in many ways, what heaven is like by Jesus uh, and by uh, by the writers. And, and so we can look into a little more detail, can we not, about what heaven is like if we want to, right there in the word. But when we, what I'm really asking, Hal, is if we, and you help us spend time with this by, by getting into the seventh essential, don't you? But if we do spend some time going home, sitting down by myself, thinking about heaven, what should it do for me? Shouldn't it give me great joy right now? Shouldn't it really bolster my heart? Shouldn't it give me great encouragement? No matter what my afflictions are, no matter what my health is, no matter what my pain is right now, won't that do that for me, Hal? Well, I could ask you, is that doing it for you right now? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. I mean, that's I mean, the point of we, it. We, whenever we face times of great trial, and we will, you know, finishing well includes dealing with great trials. Um, we, we wonder if we don't make it through this trial, what is our, what is our thinking about that? What is it we see coming? What is it that we are, as you said, your word, anticipating? And if I'm anticipating heaven, you know what? I'm okay with everything. Uh, the Lord is in charge, and I'm very, very happy to let the, you know, the Lord lead me. And if he leads me home, I know what that's going to be. So it's a joyful thought. Um. So I'm just hearing what you're saying and kind of saying, man, that should make a difference to our lives right now as we're trying to finish well. Well, I, I can't agree more, Randy, which is why it's becoming, in my mind, a seventh essential. I mean, it's part of how we should live now. Uh, let me just share another, uh, just briefly, uh, the, the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is on death and the resurrection. I don't know of any other chapter in the Bible that is 100% focused on the end of life and the anticipation of heaven. I mean, it informs us about how we should live now. And Paul raises the question. He says, well, what, what is life on the other side going to look like? And he says, well, let me give you this illustration. When you put a corn of wheat into the ground, all you have is imagine that little grain of wheat. And you put it in the ground and something happens in the ground and it comes up and it has all these heads of wheat there. And you got a whole new field of 
fruit, or you, you, you might say, of, of what deadness does for the next season of life. And so a farmer, I grew up on a farm, we'd plant fields of wheat and we'd put these seeds in the ground, anticipating a whole harvest that, you know, you run through the combine, it changes everything, it feeds animals, you uh, whatever. But you sow it in anticipation of what is on the other side. And Paul says, that's a picture of death. You know, we don't know what it is exactly on the other side. We see through a glass darkly, but we know on the other side of it, it is going to be an incredible harvest of stuff we could have not imagined here. And then you ask the question about how does it inform us now? Well, I love the way Paul ends 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work is not in vain. Now, you talk about a verse that informs how I live now and what motivates me. Why should I be motivated to think about what Christ wants to do in my life post-retirement, in the last 30 years of my life, in the last 20, in the last 10? Why should I be hopeful even in facing my own death, whether it comes through a cancer, a tragedy of whatever sort? Uh, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm driven by, I'm, I'm captivated by what is on the other side and what God has for me. Yeah. You know, can I give one more illustration yet? I yeah. think it's a, a wonderful illustration. You know, when a, when a baby is in his or her mother's womb, they have no idea what's on the other side. You know, they can hear voices, they can hear music, they can know what sounds are great, but and, and they can think about that as it were, but they have no idea what the world's like after they come out of the womb. And it's a whole new world that they could have never imagined in the womb. You know, I want to say that that's been a picture of me about heaven. You know, it's going to be a, a, a so different world. It'll be an eternal world. Revelation, John says in Revelation 21, no pain, no sorrow, no deterioration, no sickness, no death. Can you imagine a world like that? I mean, that's what we're in in this life. And it's it ends with death. But death is a doorway into eternity, which is going to be a whole new world. You know, I love to use 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, where Paul says, no ear can hear, no eye can see. You can't even imagine what's on the other side. But he was saying that in terms of the gospel. You know, the Old Testament saints could not imagine the Messiah coming and dying for sin and the, the incredible grace of God, you know, as it's poured out through his death on the cross for my sin and the new life that follows. Well, I think about that in heaven. You can't imagine. No eye can imagine. No ear can hear. Nothing can in this life could awaken your imagination in a sense like heaven on the other side. So I think that's what God calls us to do. Live with a sense of what God is doing in our lives now, where he is taking us and how this all makes sense. And I, I just think we ought to think about that. It, it mm -hmm. changes the way I think about life. It changes the way I think about death. Mm -hmm. I think of even in David, I mean, I could go on and on about this and I don't want this to be a sermon in that sense. But when David's son died from his affair with Bathsheba, you know what he said? He said, he can't come to me, but I will go to him. Mm. You, you know, I don't think David ever lived a day after his son died without thinking about heaven. Now, let me tell you, that that's true for you and me. If you've had a family member who's died, a relative, a parent or whatever, close friends, you know, there's something missing 
when they die. But for the Christian, you know, it's something ahead to anticipate that reconnection and that heavenly embrace and being together again forever. I just, you know, you you can tell, Randy, I get excited about this. Mm -hmm. And I think the seventh essential is something that God wants to use to help us awake, waken our senses to eternity. I'm so glad you're doing it because just asking me or asking anybody, Al, to take a few minutes and contemplate that, to take a few minutes and reflect, can bring such encouragement to a tough, whatever you're going through, tough day, uh, and who doesn't need a little more encouragement in their day? So reflecting on what it's going to be like in heaven is just going to add joy to my life. And every little bit of joy I can find, I think is wonderful. So so I'm glad to think about that. And I'm glad, I, I you know, I look forward to uh, getting into it more deeply with you. It's going to be a fun topic to talk about and watching you work with it and watching you help others understand it better. It's just it's just going to be great, and I appreciate you doing it. Thank you, Randy. Let me wrap it up with another thing that, that grows out of my life experience. I've been a pastor for 47 years in my life. And, you know, one of the things that gives me great joy, and, and this may, I don't know what you'll think about when I say this, I enjoy leading a memorial service for a Christian. I want to say that again. I enjoy leading a memorial service for a Christian. You say, well, that's odd. Isn't death something bad in life? Well, it is. It is a cessation of life as we know it here. It is death. It is appointed unto man once to die. Everybody goes through through this. It is a finality. But Let me tell you, as a Christian, it is a door to the other side and eternity. And a memorial service is a time of anticipation and great hope in the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul details this, what's going to happen at the resurrection. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, we just mentioned that. You, You know, so a memorial service is a celebration of hope. It's a celebration of life to come. Yes, there is sadness there. There is the cessation of relationships there. But we, we we see that coming, and that's the sixth essential. We will plan ahead for when we won't be here. We see it coming. You know, sometimes we may not. We may die in the middle of our sleep at nighttime or in an, an uncertain tragedy. But we do know life will end as we know it here. It'll happen to all of us. It happens to infants. It happens to young people. It happens to every older person as we anticipate the end of our life. But that's not all. There is something on the other side in the midst of the sadness. And I just think that's worth celebrating. It, it makes a de- you know, in your memorial, memorial service, Ecclesiastes 7 said, the mind of the wise is in the house of the morning, for therein is the, every, the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. So we're sitting there in the middle of our grief, anticipating heaven and the joy that's on the other side. It doesn't take away the sorrow. It doesn't take away the pain of cancer. It doesn't take away the agony of the separation, but it does 
in the core of our being, set our eyes on heaven. Yep. And that's what Jesus did. Hebrews 12, fixing, he said, fixing our, he calls us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down as the resurrected Savior. And isn't that what changed the life of the disciples? You talk about heaven changing your life. Jesus said, as he ascended to heaven, in the same way I'm ascending, you're going to see me return. And the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, and I think the lives of those apostles were changed. And whether they lived 10 years or 20 years or 60 years beyond that made little difference. They were no matter how they are, no matter how they died, they died. You, you know, Peter died crucified upside down to the yep. tradition tells us Paul was beheaded. Yep. You, you know, this is our mission to live for Christ in this world and to anticipate heaven. I hope that helps you, you know, think about what this seventh essential is. And in a sense, I, this sounds crazy. I, I think, Heaven is an exciting concept. Yep. I can think ahead. I just want to say from my standpoint, thank you, Hal, for doing it, because I think it's so important to the overall concept, message, uh, encouragement of finishing well. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, Randy, and thanks for your encouragement, your support, and and thanks for all of you out there in our listening audience for uh, (laughs) sharing in our lives. you know, we'd love for you to think more with us about topics, you know, you'd like us to address. But here's a core one, the seventh essential. I mean, it changes the framework of Finishing Well Ministries. And I think the scriptures call us to change that as well. But we have a lot of growing to do. We have a lot of changing to do. So let's keep pressing on with each other. Continue to pray for Finishing Well Ministries. Continue to support us financially. You know, whether it's a monthly commitment or a quarterly commitment or a year-end commitment as we think about year-end or whatever it is, would you support and pray financially, spiritually, and would you send the message forward, pay it forward, get involved with your church, encourage older people in your congregation to finish well, subscribe to the seven essentials, watch our videos, and uh, just ask the Lord to keep making a difference through your life and all the spirit of God wants to do. So thanks for being with us and thanks, Randy, and uh, God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Finishing Well podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's conversation to continue living out your God-given purpose. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find us at finishingwellministries.org slash podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Finishing Well Ministries. We'll see you next time.